Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and also Dan again. <laughs> Dan's back. Yay. It's me. I'm Dan. Whoa. I'm a special effects artist and an absentee podcaster. And I'm joined, not as ever, now again, <laughs> like the old days, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And if I have a weird croaky voice, that's because I am uh, in virus zone. It's, it's, I don't think it's the, the famous virus. I think it's just the, the less famous virus, a cold. I think I've got a cold. But yeah, I am still recording because we've tried to do this. How many times now, Dan? Three? Three times we've tried to do this podcast? Yeah, this, yeah. Wild third, things. Third, third time's the charm. <laughs> so um, yes, I am here to talk about wild things with my dear friend Dan Martin, Thank God he's back. We've all missed you, Dan. And we're all ready to hear your thoughts on this slightly crazy, sleazy movie. Wild things. But before we we do that, please tell us about your adventures over the past month or so. Well, obviously, a lot of it is quite heavily redacted um, (laughs) for, for NDA reasons. But I've been swanning it around Eastern Europe, filming horror. I've shot in two countries I've never been to before, both of which have their own charms. I don't know which one is my favourite, but I've met some lovely people. I've made some friends, and I've yeah, my, I've had an amazing team supporting me, like both uh, on set and in the studio. Wouldn't have been like I literally would be dead without them. And I apologise for how close to death I probably pushed all of them in the crazy work that we did. But yeah, it's been. My God, it's not quite over yet, but it's been a wild ride. I think the, the worst of it's gone. Yes, and actually that's a good point. We should mention that Dan is going to be away next episode. So like, enjoy him while he's here. And in the next episode, I'm going to be joined by Eric Penikoff. And we're going to be talking about his favourite Arrow releases. Because you've got to go back, haven't you, Dan? Just when you think you're out. They pull you back in. They pull you back in to the woods of Estonia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be uh, filming out in the freezing, freezing cold of the uh, Tallinn woodlands. Ooh. But it's the last, it's the home stint. And then I come back to a workshop move because I'm moving my studio, my entire studio. Oh, wow. But we're still going to do yeah. our, our end of year special. Um, so don't worry about that. Yes, Precious yeah, yeah, we'll be back for that. Dan will be I'm back. I'm sad, sad I don't get to join you with Eric, but you'll you, have a great time. You will be back. And yeah, but you know, we don't have to worry about that just yet. Let's live in the moment. We're going to talk about wild things. Dan, what is the plot of wild things? Everybody's crooked. Everybody's got a scheme. Machiavelli's got nothing on these people. <laughs> it's a, a sweaty, sweaty, bikini clad Machiavelli. There you go. I'm going to let you into a little secret, Sam. Oh. I've watched all four Wild Things films. Wow. Oh, my in the God. Time it's taken us to get round to doing Wild Things. <laughs> I was looking at my, my film diary, and I've watched, like, maybe eight films in the last two months, and four of them are Wild Things. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. And that is that is definitely due diligence. Meanwhile, I've watched, I think, 23 movies since we've been trying to organise Wild Things, because and that's just not even the last Good two Lord. months. That's in the last few weeks because uh, of VHS Quest, uh, my Patreon podcast. But maybe I should do a Wild Thing special if you recommend doing that. How was the experience of watching those four movies? Well, let's get into Wild Things 2, Wild Things 3, Diamonds in the Rough and Wild Things Foursome. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> after we... <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, after we get done with Wild Things proper. You're right. I, it yeah. will not surprise you that that the first film is the best film no, of whoa. the franchise. Wow, but they all star Bill Murray, right? He's yeah, he's the one joining. <laughs> well, actually, one of the things I will go into is what the what the through threads are 
because oh, it's, amazing. it's quite exciting. Like one of the things I enjoyed about this weird experience was looking at what executives think is the selling point of wild things oh amazing right well i look forward to that very much because for for slightly spoilery reasons quite a lot of the cast can't come back (laughs) to other in in subsequent films incredible all right well let's get through this bloody 4k release of wild things by arrow before we get to the good stuff only kidding arrow this is an amazing release let's talk about wild things and First thing I'd like to say is that I wrote in my notes that the first line of dialogue is Denise Richards saying, fuck off. And that pretty much sums up the entire movie. Pretty much everyone in it fucks off at some point. And I made this note before I listened to the commentary and John McNaughton points it out too. So, you know, sometimes you can overanalyze movies and, and all the rest of it, but it's clear that every element in this film has been carefully considered. And let's just say this up front. I think Wild Things is an amazing film. I know it's got a bit yeah. of a reputation for being sleazy or, or gratuitous or whatever. Well, the thing is, I'd say it was sleazy. I wouldn't say it was gratuitous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, everything it, in this film... Yeah. It, it's it's an intricate puzzle box of a film, really. Like... It's just so, so, so clever. Yeah, Dan, when did with, you first... With the exception of seeing Kevin Bacon's penis. <laughs> well, you say that, but I think... I mean, they talk about that being an accident on the commentary. And actually, well, yeah. there's more than one commentary here, but John McNaughton and Stephen A. Pryor head up my favourite extra, which is their commentary. It's really detailed and definitive and lots of great facts and they stick to what's on the screen but i discovered a lot of stuff in that commentary that i didn't know it's so so uh, fact-packed and yeah apparently that was an accident that shot but was it really well so they i've i've read that it was the only take that it happened in Mm -hmm. and john mcnaughton chose to use it despite kevin bacon's no nudity clause but bacon has said in an interview that because he's counted as a producer who is he going to sue himself wow actually that's kind of that's actually slightly upsetting. If everyone involved is being serious, then you, well, you know. he, he also he also said that he got a phone call from someone, like maybe his agent, mm-hmm. being like, "Hey, just seen the first cut. You can see it. You can see your junk." And Baker was like, "How do I look? Do I look good?" And they're like, "Yeah, you look good." And he's like, "Yeah, fine, leave it." In. There you go. Okay, good. That's that's a big relief. The bacon dong is uh, actually an important character in the piece. Like, I think it's... Well, and it paved the way for the see-through penis of Hollow Man. Exactly, yeah. The the Kevin Bacon penis multiverse is rich. But no, my point is, is that this is kind of an exploitation film. Well, let's, let's, let's put it another way. So, in the original Psycho... Janet Lee in the opening was in her bra and that was such a huge deal at the time like that was the first time you'd seen an actress in her bra in that kind of mainstream kind of movie right yeah and then in the shot for shot remake Gus Van Sant showed Viggo Mortensen's penis in that opening thing because despite the fact it's a uh, shot for shot remake Van Sant did make some key changes that kind of changed the gender and sexuality themes of the movie. It's a very, very interesting remake. Like, it's way, 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 way better than people give it credit for, the Psycho remake, because there's lots of interesting stuff in there. But anyway, my point is, is that in the modern world, like, the kind of titillation of Wild Things, 
like it's everywhere you know in the 90s this was like when lads mags were everywhere and so i i think it's actually really important that they put a penis in there <laughs> i know it sounds ridiculous but no no i i see what you mean but also i think it's it, rather than necessarily being a lads mag movie i think it's a it's a mirror up to that bit of society yeah like, to where society was at the time absolutely um, yes and it's again it's 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 interesting i said it's sleazy but it's not gratuitous yeah. but it's not gratuitous it definitely it, it definitely wanders into gratuitousness a little bit um but it's almost like a, it's almost like a joke though it's almost tongue-in-cheek like the way it's filmed and everything yeah and, absolutely and and i agree they, that i a joke they do not get for the sequels <laughs> <laughs> i agree that it's holding a mirror up and and that's actually what i'm trying to say is that the presence of Kevin Bacon's penis tells you that this is being made not by those kind of like weird misogynists who are into all that stuff because they would recoil from seeing a man's penis on screen. Do you see what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's more about representing the sort of hedonism and excess of these characters yeah. and and like how incredibly myopic they are to the world around them exactly uh, and and so although what we're seeing is excessive it's excessive because it is the character's excess not because it's the director's excess exactly and i can't believe that we've spent this long talking about kevin bacon's penis but it was very very important clearly and it kind of leads me on a little bit to talking about the visual language of the film and again a lot of this stuff i hadn't actually tracked at the first time i saw it but watching it with the commentary stuff like the fact that it opens with gators in the swamp before tracking to miami to show that we're dealing with kind of primal animals in the film that is a great detail to include in this commentary and there civilization are civilization on the edge of savagery exactly and again the opening image should you know, this is something that actually has been lost in, in modern films, but I remember a time when the opening shot should symbolise some element of the theme of the movie, you know, if possible. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and Wild Things does that kind of perfectly. It's interesting. I mean, we talked about Henry so recently. Mm. It's such a different film, but there's such an obvious through line of sort of consideration and and sense. Mm with the movie and I think it's obvious that McNaughton's been surrounded with very talented people because it does it looks great it fucking sounds so good yeah the soundtrack to this film Sam is so good although I'd forgotten about how many like 1998 bangers <laughs> there were in there as well it's like absolutely wall-to-wall pop hits but then it's <laughs> also got that incredible morphine soundtrack absolutely like the soundtrack includes Smash Mouth's Why Can't We Be Friends and when yeah. I, when I was uh, watching it with Shay, she said this is one soundtrack that won't be reissued on vinyl. Maybe the score, but yeah, I don't think. We... Sc- but yeah, but the, <laughs> but that's it. Like the soundtrack is 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 silly fluff from the era. But like they were they were big tunes. It was interesting having them come. I hadn't thought about a lot of those songs for a very long time, but suddenly I, like it came out the same year as Basketball, which I watched recently, and that has a similar feel to the soundtrack. Yeah, and a lot of those, um, a lot of the Farrelly Brothers movies had that kind of soundtrack yeah. as well. Like it was definitely a, a trend. And this, you know, Wild Things is one of the most '90s movies ever made. Everything from the music to the fashion. Denise Richards is kind of a, a '90s icon. She was basically the Sydney Sweeney of her day, and uh, it's really great to see her pop up in a new extra on this disc. 
looking back on the film and there's also a new interview with McNaughton which is honest and fascinating. My only criticism when it comes to the music is that the same piece of music is used on the menu of this disc at the start of every extra except the commentaries. So it's on the menu, it's at the start of every extra and it gets annoying very quickly. It feels like you've fallen asleep with the menu on screen hearing the music loop over and over again when you're just trying to navigate it. So that amazing little tenor sax like riff intro yeah it is and uh yeah. it's even in the archival four minute featurette so yeah it, it drove me crazy i was already a big fan of morphine before this movie came out and and it was but, but probably only had been for maybe a year or two at this point i'm trying to work out my i think i maybe i bought yes their album yes when it came out which is like 94 95 i think maybe but yeah i really liked their stuff and so this was very exciting to hear an entire set like an entire score that was was that sound and it fits so well and they don't manage to license it for any of the other films in the franchise oh wow oh that's incredible oh that's good to know it's not until number four that they get a kind of muzak redo of the soundtrack it's different tunes but it's like you know when like just it's just different enough that you don't have to pay rights inspired by number three has like a dance soundtrack i forget what number two has but it doesn't have doesn't have the amazing uh george s clinton saxophone like sweaty grime that is all over world things and what those films also don't have i imagine is uh insanely great cast certainly on the level of this movie like everyone is brilliant in wild things no they do not (laughs) matt dillon is as super sleazy as ever he's just perfectly cast kevin bacon is conversely cast against type and is compelling every time he's on screen but denise richards and neve campbell are the true stars and it feels like their characters were slightly ahead of their time by looking back to the past if that makes sense so Wild Things feels like a lot of modern teen movies and TV shows, so ahead of its time there. But it got there by referencing the complicated women of noir pictures from the 40s and 50s. Like, this really feels like one of those, like like a double indemnity or something like that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is. It's a a modern noir. And it's the old adage that to write a thriller, you start at the end and work backwards. And there's no way that wasn't the format in which this was written it's so twisty and turny but it's really really exciting i remember what the first time i watched it i just remember being how delighted i was by the credits yeah we could talk around the 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 ending we could talk yeah, around we those don't need credits. to talk about what the ending is exactly exactly but the yeah the, the credits is basically like its own rosencrantz and guildenstern yeah where you you see in between scenes that fill in gaps but from other points of view throughout the narrative so that that you've already you know what the ending is but it does a lot of box checking in a but in a show don't tell very fun kind of way it's even got a couple of its own little twists in the end in that ending yeah exactly it's like a kind of short film version in a way of the whole thing and it, it doesn't just fill in the gaps in the narrative it also reveals what happens next as well so it really it's a brilliant device that i think more movies should use it feels so so smart and it could have gone so wrong if it wasn't as intelligent as it is and that kind of sums up the movie for me like it's a film that could have gone so wrong in the hands of almost anybody else but 
This, I think it's maybe McNaughton's best directed picture, just in terms of those levels of complexity and the visual language that's being used. Yeah, I think Wild Things is an amazing film, I really do. Yeah, I love it. And if you want to make movies, if you want to make your own Wild Things, there's lots of great stuff on this disc. There's another commentary, uh, it involves McNaughton as well, but he's joined by crew members this time. That crew includes George S. Clinton talking about his score, and producers and the editor and there is some repeated information uh, from the first commentary but it usually comes with more detail so for example they do talk about that fuck off line opening the movie and what that says about the movie but we learned that the line was actually changed it was originally as if and the change is so much better it kind of takes it out of the kind of clueless zone and puts it into its own thing for the era not as shocking to hear that today but it might have been for people going into what they thought was you know a kind of racy teen movie and it really kind of sets the tone for the for the whole picture so yeah loads of information like that in that commentary uh, this really is one of those film schools on a disc which i always really really love dan do you have any final thoughts on wild things not really. I mean, it's another one where we've chosen a movie we love, but we can't really talk too explicitly about the ending. Yeah. it's it. I think one of the things that's interesting about it is it deals with some pretty contentious subjects. And I was worried that revisiting it, I would find it, like, problematic. And actually, you know, for a movie that's so reputedly sleazy, it handles itself with quite a bit of class, <laughs> all considered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I was... Uh... I was also slightly nervous, but and I was very nervous when you started talking about Kevin Bacon having his penis dangled against his will. But um, I'm glad that resolved itself amicably. And yeah, it wasn't against his will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was it was against his leg. <laughs> and there we go. All right. Well, before we go into recommendations, Dan, I'm going to sit back and have a little listen uh, to the complete history of the Wild Things franchise, which some people might not even know is even a franchise. So, um, Dan, please talk us through. Yeah, I, I don't think I... I knew there'd been a second one. I didn't when I started this journey. I thought, well, we've had to delay again. I'll watch Wild Things too. How, how bad can it be? And then I realised that there were there were two more. So there's four in total. So Wild Things 2 came out in 2004, so six years after Wild Things. So one can assume that it was a, just a maturing intellectual property and, and thrown out. It certainly doesn't have any of the, the, the sort of slickness of the first one. Although there's some relatively good cinematography in number three. They, I, I would say all of them feel much more akin to a sort of mid-90s Cinemax kind of steamy thriller. Right, right. With a, lit- a little bit of nudity and uh, and a lot of quite dumb intrigue. I will tell you the one character that makes it all the way through the franchise, Sam. Oh, I can't wait. Is Blue Bay High School. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> because that's what people came to want things for. Oh, hell yeah. The consistencies are... They all they're all set in and around Blue by High School, and it's easy to forget that the first one is a high school movie, ostensibly. They're all set in and around Blue by High School. They all start with an assembly where an entire class is gathered together to be spoken to by police. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> they they all have a shoehorned threesome of some kind. Even number four, which is called foursome and does not have a foursome in it. <laughs> 
<laughs> number four brings back the let's recap that in the credits motif but isn't present that isn't present in two and three number three has diana meyer in it who starred in uh starship troopers opposite denise richards of so I, I, I think that that was a, a conscious bit of casting oh yeah and each one of them has like their little bit of you you, you ever remember reading that interview with Argento where he was like oh, I'll, I'll read a story about a bit of science and, and then that'll inform my whole movie so with Four Flies and Grey Velvet it was about the imaging of the retina from a dead body and with uh, Phenomena it was about how there are certain flies that are attracted to bodies and you can age a body by the life cycle of the fly that's living on the body mm-hmm. and so like Argento would talk about so that's very obviously what happens with Wild Things 2, 3 and 4 but in Wild Things 2 it's like Oh, we've worked out about like how DNA works. So <laughs> Wild Things 2 is going to be about DNA. And then Wild Things 3 is about date rape drugs, rehypnol specifically, and how easy it is to slip rehypnol into people's drinks because people are being roofied left, right, and center. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, just, like, the fact that anyone accepts a drink from anyone in Wild Things 3 is ridiculous because they are constantly just being like, oh, yeah, no, you couldn't trust me, but now you can trust me. Here, have a drink. Okay, yeah, I'm just going to outline some things. Ha, 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 you're asleep now. I've run off with whatever it is. Number three is called Diamonds in the Rough, which uh, presumably is a pun based on the fact that, uh, like, maybe the girls uh, are the diamonds. There are two diamonds in it. They are cut diamonds. They are not diamonds in the rough. The the other thing is, and I don't know if this is just an era thing, cost of living crisis and all, but, like, they're always talking about, like, large amounts of money, but they just don't feel like large amounts of money in, like, movie terms. Like, obviously, it's millions of dollars that's a lot of money but like they're killing people left right and center for four million dollars worth of diamonds that they're probably going to get to get like two million on the black market for and i just don't feel like i could kill someone for one third of two million dollars one of the things that i really love about the first one and it's interesting to hear that it kind of comes into play in in the others is that though probably not in the same way but it's a twisty turny trashy slocky 90s cheese fest on paper but it's transformed into a story about how the rich exploit the poor and what the poor can do about it, um, which is a theme that I really love. So They, they sort of club-handedly pour at the idea yeah. of class divide yeah, exactly. and the us versus them that is so present in the first one yeah. and used to such great effect. Yeah. To varying degrees, there's elements of that. There's always a, I'm just a poor swamp girl. <laughs> like I think that's literally a line from number four. Oh, that's amazing. Jesus. <laughs> the other the other thing that kind of lets them down a bit is that, and I think th- maybe it's three is the one that's most guilty of this. Three or four, they've all kind of blended together. There's a lot of just like people telling each other about things that have happened. <laughs> and it's like, that's not the exciting bit. Like having one character tell another character about a thing. I don't remember what it was Jen and I were watching the other day. It was some prestige TV. So like big, big budget and you'd think they'd know better. But like one of the characters has learned this amazing plot thing. And we, Jen and I, were very much on board. We're like, well, that's fucking cool. Can't wait to see where this goes. But then the rest of the episode was just taken up with, like, her convincing people of things. Like, and then it was played like a big dramatic moment that someone believed her. And it's like, but we know it's true. Right, yeah, exactly. So there's no drama in that. Like, that's just boring. Yeah. Exposition the movie is not something that I'm going to queue up to see. Definitely not. No, there's some there's some there's some fun lines to be had, and and like I said, they were they were passable if largely forgettable, uh, sexy thrillers, but they're they're not 
good films in the same way that Wild Things is. Let's hear about some good films, shall we? Because we're going to move on to recommendations based on the movie Wild Things. Thank you so much for that amazing summation. I'm kind of intrigued, not intrigued enough to watch any of them, so I'm I'm relieved that you've gone through them all. <laughs> um, but hopefully people will want to see uh, a film I'm going to recommend called Gone Girl, which probably everyone who's listening to this has seen. But just in case they haven't, it's another twisty, turny, sleazy movie with layers upon layers of reveals. David Fincher might not like to hear it, or maybe he will if he's actually seen it and engaged with it. But Gone Girl is the perfect movie to double bill with Wild Things. Both feature unlikable characters at the heart of the narrative and both have endings that are utterly satisfying but also sort of evil. The book is utter, utter shite, but the movie is perfect. So, Gone Girl, I recommend it. Also, nice casting on a level with Wild Things as well. Like, Ben Affleck is uh, perfectly, perfectly cast in a similar way to uh, Matt Dillon being perfectly cast in, uh, in Wild Things. So, uh, yeah, I recommend it. Dan, what's first from you? You want a sleazy neo-noir with some killer casting, Sam? Oh, I sure do. Well, may I recommend a little film by a young man named Oliver Stone called U-Turn? Oh, yeah, great choice. Wasn't that even released in the I same fucking... year? Or maybe the year before, but yeah. Uh, it was the year before, yeah. 97. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was the first DVD I ever bought. Amazing. It was U-Turn. I bought it at a, at a film fair. And it was like a, it was just a blind buy, and I loved it. I didn't have a player for it at the time, so it took me a little while to watch it. But it was an American import. I think it hadn't come out in the UK yet. It was one of those ones where the, the delay window was so big that you could buy it on physical media from the states before it came out in the UK. Yeah, starring Sean Penn and Jennifer Lopez with an absolutely knockout backup cast: Nick Nolte, Billy Bob Thornton, John Voight, Powers Booth. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix it's yeah Claire Danes is in it it's amazing what an insane Um, set to have been on like and by insane I mean the definition of that as in you are surrounded by total fucking crazy people every day imagine imagine being in the catering truck with Sean Penn Nick Nolte and Joaquin Phoenix (laughs) yeah exactly and Powers Booth and yeah and Powers Booth yeah (laughs) basically Sean Penn is uh, travelling through middle America with a satchel full of money he has to be somewhere at a certain time to pay off a gambling debt otherwise they're going to kill him the mafia are going to kill him and he ends up having to stop in this small town and everyone in the town is up to no good there's all this little like local dramas that he gets embroiled in not least of which because he fancies jennifer lopez there's constant intrigue loads of twists and turns everybody's up to something no one's telling the truth about anything um it's got a very similar it's it's drier than wild things because it's in the desert rather than in the in the everglades but it's it's got a similar like dirty sweaty feel to it um yeah absolutely fantastic yeah amazing amazing movie i love it and uh yeah i've got a film from a similar era um 99 instead of 97 so the year after wild things instead of the year before but i would like to recommend cruel intentions which is definitely part of that wave of let's take teen tv stars and put them in edgy stuff um cruel intentions is probably sleazier and maybe not quite as smart, but it's still smart. And it is still brilliantly entertaining with wicked performances everywhere you look. 
if ever a movie had a twinkle in its eye, it's this one. Cruel Intentions, another film definitely to double bill with Wild Things, and I recommend it. Dan, how do you feel about Cruel Intentions? I like it. it like it, it, it wasn't quite cruel enough or twisty enough for mm-hmm. me at the time, mm-hmm. and it felt like it was riding more on the sexiness than anything else, which I care less about. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's still a good movie. I'd recommend it, but it's. I'd put it. Of the of the films we've discussed, not including the sequels to Wild Things, <laughs> uh, I put it at the bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah, fair. I think that's fair. And uh, what's your next recommendation? My next my next recommendation is a proper old noir from the fifties. In fact, from from nineteen fifty, and it's the sexiest of the old noirs. It's it's gun crazy. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. It's not quite. It's not as twisty and turny uh, as Wild Things, but it is a legit. A legit noir, and there's so much tension in it. I read an interview a while back uh, that said that uh, John Dahl and Peggy Cummings, who are the two leads, who play a sort of a, a, a young, a troubled youth obsessed with guns who has grown up and become a less outwardly, obviously troubled young man, still obsessed with guns. It will turn out that he is still troubled, don't worry. Who falls in love with and gets together with Peggy Cummings, who's a circus sharpshooter, and their relationship sort of like they. They are fuel to each other's fires, and they end up going on a, a, a gun-based crime spree. And there's so much tension. And I read a, an interview a little while ago where it was said that Joseph Lewis, his like main direction to the two of them was, "You just want to get all this done with, so you can go and fuck." And and that was like his main direction to the characters. <laughs> and there is that like sort of bristling like sexual energy between the two of them that makes the the sort of the crazy violence sequences so like intense yeah it's really good I've, you should check it out it's on blu-ray in the uk great great recommendation i feel like i've missed a trick here i can't believe that i've recommended cruel intentions above something like black widow from 1954 or even vertigo actually we talked about um hitchcock yeah. earlier i reckon you could pair vertigo very nicely with wild things but fuck it you know i've made my bed you know and i will lie in it with two other people um all right or maybe even four depending on where i fall in the franchise anyway let's move on very quickly into recommendations based on the past couple of weeks though it's actually the past couple of months though you did reveal that you've only watched eight films and four of them were those wild things movies so Let's hope that the other four were really, really good and that you can find two from them to recommend to the Precious Arrowheads. Dan, why don't you go first? What have you got for us? I watched Victim for the first time. I actually thought I'd already recommended this, but it was on my list of what I was going to recommend before I ended up having to take the break. So I I watched this way back. Uh, It's Basil Dearden. I'd never seen it before. It's an absolute treat. Uh, Dope Bogard plays a lawyer who is being blackmailed, uh, a married lawyer who is being blackmailed because of his secret homosexuality. And it was the, if not the first, then one of the first, certainly one of the first mainstream films to deal with this. And uh, Bogart was gay and it was a very like important film to him. It's about a, a blackmailing ring who are exploiting the illegality of homosexuality to make victims of all these poor young men who are being forced into the like the underworld because of their you know because of their sexuality it made me cry a couple of times it's really tense it's a great thriller like it's a it's a really solid thriller yeah absolutely fantastic movie amazing yeah sounds great i, I haven't seen it, it so um yeah that's a big recommendation oh, for me fantastic i've got something slightly different as my first recommendation as regular listeners to the podcast will be aware 
I loved New York Ninja so much that I made it my second favourite film of last year. And now there is a sequel, only it's in comic book form. So the New York Ninja Super Special is written and drawn by Charles Forsman, who also created The End of the Fucking World, which was a comic before it was a show. And yeah, Forsman pitched a sequel to Vinegar Syndrome. They loved the idea. So New York Ninja Super Special is available right now from Floating World Comics online and in store, as is my comic after the war. (laughs) Uh, I recommend both. So excited that there is a, a sequel in whatever form it appears in. And let's hope that someone smart decides that the next big comic book adaptation should be New York Ninja 2. Yes, please. I didn't see another good film. Hmm? I didn't see another good film, so... You didn't see another good film, so that's it. That's it for your recommendations. It's, it's been hard. Oh, man. It's been really hard. Yeah, well... I mean, you know what? Like, I've seen some I've seen some stuff I enjoyed, like the mainstream things. Like, I, I watched See How They Run at the cinema, and it thinks it's slightly cleverer than it is but overall i really enjoyed it it's good fun i like sam rockwell i'll watch him in anything i haven't got around to seeing a bunch of the things that i worked on yet i'm looking forward to seeing banshees of a Shinarin, which i did but i haven't had a chance to watch yet there's something else i did that came out recently that i haven't seen oh man i don't know i just haven't seen anything i've been so unbelievably but i tell you what i tell you what i recommend sam yeah a nice nap oh a lovely lovely nap just like just sneak away yeah. for like 20 minutes oh yeah make make an excuse like you've got something to go and do mm-hmm. like, i'm just gonna go and take care of that thing and then find a corner maybe some maybe maybe some coats or some blackout fabric oh yeah in the corner of soundstage b oh yeah <laughs> it's it's starting to feel very just specific yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, we like to be specific with our recommendations, don't True, we? True, yeah. Get under that blackout fabric. <laughs> I tell you what, they have a they have a blackout fabric in Canada called Bolton, which is like quilted blackout fabric. It's like a thin black quilt. Wrap yourself up in that. Have a nice little nap. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, before you have your lovely nap, why don't you watch Blood Delirium, which is a Vinegar Syndrome movie release, not a comic. And Shay and I watched this insanely fun new release on Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome. And it was magnificent. Absolutely, completely, totally bonkers from start to finish. Shay and I both said what the fuck many, many times. And on paper, it doesn't sound too crazy. A little bit crazy, but nowhere near as weird as the film actually turns out. Because the plot is, when a painter's wife dies... He gets a creative block, but when he randomly meets her doppelganger at a party, he thinks he'll be cured. But he realises, through a series of very bizarre sequences, that only murder will restart his art. Blood delirium, it is bloody, it is delirious, and I recommend it. Dan, have you seen Blood Delirium? I don't know if I have. I feel like, I like just based on the title, yeah, definitely, I've definitely seen Blood Delirium. But then I was listening to your description of it, and I don't know if I have. Oh, man, this is one that you will absolutely bellow at. It is very, 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 very accidentally funny. Or maybe on purpose, who I'm knows? Looking at it on, um, I'm looking at it on IMDb now. Yeah, that's definitely one for you. All right, well, shall we go into extra features, extra features, extra features? Extra features. Um, firstly, I would like to issue an apology for... Um, 
being a little bit out of it in this episode. Like I say, I do have a virus, but we promised so many times <laughs> that Dan and I would be back next time for wild things. I'm like, I cannot, I cannot duck out of this. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry if the general quality isn't up to the usual standard. Things will be back to normal uh, for the end of year special, I'm sure. Uh, Dan, do you have any statements that you'd like to make on the record? No. Okay, then no, I don't. <laughs> um, but, you know, do tune in uh, to the end of year special because who knows, maybe we've got something to talk about in that episode. We will see. But until then, why don't you subscribe to Sam Asher's VHS Quest? There will be 23 movies discussed on that Patreon by the time this episode goes up. That will be 20 weird and obscure movies that are amazing, but you've probably never heard of them. And there will be three modern movies as well. I saw three things that I really enjoyed in cinemas recently. So um, you can hear me talk about all of that stuff by going over to patreon.com forward slash VHS quest and you can sign up for four dollars a month which is just one dollar a week and that money gets you four new weird recommendations every single week so if you're missing podcasts when the arrow video podcast isn't happening because you know there's no other podcast out there so every other Monday must be very bleak for you precious arrowheads uh, you could fill in that gap that is the, by listening to VHS Quest. That's the rule now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. There are no other podcasts now. Zero. Until now. Yeah. Now there's I mean, VHS no, I think Quest. They're, they're phasing them out. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. Phasing the others out now. That's so it. It's that's quite it. exciting that they chose yours as the only other one. Yeah, it really is, actually. It really, really is. But justified, I'd say. All right. Well, Dan, do you have anything that you would like to talk about or promote? Um, No. Not even no, I don't. I like not even your social media presence. Not, not e- I mean, sure, yeah. Like sooner or later, the embargoes will be over, and I'll be allowed to talk about what I've been up to. Yeah. So uh, I guess follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at thirteen finger fx. Yeah, I'm going to try and be a little bit more active again now. I, I did a little bit the other day. I found myself with when you're shooting nights, especially when you're shooting nights on occasion. So you're back and forth, having to rip yourself in and out of nocturnal body clock format. Um. There's lots of like weird blinking at a ceiling in a foreign hotel room, trying to work out where you are and when it is. Those are those are the perfect times to go back and post some old special effects pictures on Twitter. So that happens. That happens occasionally. You can just hey, see them there. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, I guess that's it because. All I'm going to ask you to do, don't follow me on Twitter, don't follow me on Instagram, just go to patreon.com forward slash VHS Quest to hear lots of movie recommendations. And uh, yeah, come back next time for me and Eric Penikoff talking about the greatest Arrow releases of the Arrow Video Podcast lifetime. So it's all movies that we've talked about in the past that Eric loves and it's going to be a big old celebration of all things Arrow. So come back for that. And then for the end of year with me and Dan after that. Yeah. Dan, please say some more nice. things because people are going to miss your voice. Those are the things. These are all the things that I have said. I'll see you in a month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be more Thank professional you. next time. Guaranteed. Bye-bye. In my absence. <laughs> Bye. Bye.